We're going to read in the book of Acts, chapter number 26. I'm going to read the first three verses, if you'll follow along with that. And then if you'll leave your Bible open, we're going to look at the rest of this uh, as we go through the message this morning. Acts chapter 26, verse number 1. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth the hand and answered for himself. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching all the things whereof I am accused of the Jews, especially because I know thee to be expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews. Wherefore, I beseech thee to hear me patiently. I'm going to try to preach to you this morning out of this chapter a message entitled, Almost Persuaded. Let's pray. We'll get going. Father, I have enjoyed the service thus far. Very thankful. Thank you for the Sunday school hour, Lord, for Brother Andrew um, proclaiming the truth the way that he did. And thank you for those that have joined us today via live stream, however it might be. And we pray, Lord, that you would do what we can't, that you would speak directly to hearts. And there is a very good possibility that people are watching this morning that have never trusted Christ as their Savior. They've never been saved by the grace of God. And we pray especially for them that you would speak to hearts in such a way, uh, Lord, that they would be convinced of their need of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, help us, empower us, guide and direct us as we open our mouth. We pray that you would fill it and help us to preach with the Help us to preach with the love of God, we pray and thank you in Jesus Christ's name, amen and amen. The Apostle Paul here is in prison because of his preaching. Uh, The Jews hated him for preaching. They hated him for preaching the resurrection of Jesus. And because of that, they tried to kill him several different times. And he was placed in protective custody by the Romans, according to Acts chapter 21. And he remained in jail during uh, this time because the Jews accused him of inciting riots and and uprising. And during his time in jail, Paul had had several opportunities to present his case before the rulers of that day. And each time, really, God turned the tables on them as they became the prisoners, and Paul became the captor. They they were... they were. uh, they were, they were um, a captive audience, if I can put it that way. The Lord allowed him the privilege of preaching the gospel to some of the most powerful men of his time. And here in Acts chapter 26, it's no exception. Festus had just assumed the office of the governor from Felix. And Festus, he's wanting to impress the local king, King Agrippa. And so he invites Agrippa to hear Paul's testimony and to give his opinion to what should be done with this Jewish preacher. And so it's an opportunity truly of God-sized proportions. And I want us to follow along uh, this morning as we watch this chapter unfold. And I want us to listen in as Paul gives his testimony and then, and then notice the reactions of those gathered that day. And as you do, as you do, I'm going to ask you to allow the Lord to speak to your heart as we consider this thought almost persuaded. Paul came in and he delivered his message, if we can say it that way. He tells of his condition 
Paul used his own personal testimony to witness to these two powerful men of their day. We, we know this, before Paul trusted Christ, before he met Christ, before he was saved by God's grace, he was a very religious man. There in verse number four, it says, My manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among mine own nation in Jerusalem, uh, know all the Jews which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify that after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. Paul was very religious. He told them of his religious background, and he was very zealous to prove his religion. Uh, verse number 9 there says, uh, I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were Excuse me, and when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And so the Apostle Paul says, I was a religious guy, and I was full of zeal, and, and, and I was upset with these Christians that were bringing the story of Jesus Christ being raised from the dead. But basically what he's saying here is, what I did, I did on my own. What I did, it was not of God at that time. And he explained to them even that he had killed Christians. And so Paul, the Apostle Paul, was very religious. He was very religious, but he was lost. And he was lost because he had no relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He was lost because he was depending upon his religious works to save him. 1 John chapter 5, verse 12 says, He that hath the Son hath life. Speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Acts chapter 16 and verse number 31 says, And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And today, if I could impress anything upon your heart, it would be this. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. It's all about Him. It's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation is never a product of what we do or what we don't do. It's okay to give up things that you shouldn't be doing, and it's okay to do good things, but those are not the things that is going to get us to heaven one day. Those are not the things that are going to cause us to have our sin forgiven. It's a matter of faith in the sacrificial shedding of blood of the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Paul back during this time when he was so very religious, he, he probably thought everything was okay. Everything's just fine. I mean, I am doing very well with all these religious works. Uh, but don't be deceived. Nothing but the blood of Jesus can wash away your sins and make you clean. Paul's religious background did nothing to pay for his sin. And I can say this morning that religion and good works only bring false hope. Only bring false hope. So the Apostle Paul went on. Uh, look at verse number 12 there. Uh, well, verse 11. And I punished them often in every synagogue. Talking about how he punished the Christians. And compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. Look at verse 12. Whereupon as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, he was headed to persecute more Christians. At midday, verse 13, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and, and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me 
and saying in Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. We have to think about this. Paul knew the story. He knew the story of the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He had listened as people told of the brutal punishment of Jesus at the hands of the religious crowd. And he had heard about Jesus being beat with that cat of nine tails at the whipping post. And he had heard how they had plaited the crown of thorns and put it on Jesus' head and then beat it down with reeds as they mocked him. And he had heard how Jesus had been paraded through the streets of Jerusalem carrying that heavy cross and how people had mocked him and how people had spit upon him and pulled out parts of his beard and cussed him over and over and over again. No, the Apostle Paul had heard the story of how Jesus laid down his life on that cross on that hill called Calvary and and allowed those soldiers to drive nails through his hands and nails through his feet. And he had heard how Jesus had shed his life's blood that day and gave up the ghost and died on that cross. And he had heard that someone had taken him down and buried him. But three days later, the tomb was empty. He had heard a lot of different rumors about what happened to Jesus' body. But he had also heard the stories about those that claimed to see him alive after that time. As he captured Christians and persecuted Christians and killed Christians, threw them in jail, time and time again, don't you know that he heard testimonies about how Jesus was the true true Messiah, how Jesus was the Savior of the world over and again by these people that he tried to get to recant, by these people that he tried to get to blaspheme God by denying Jesus Christ. And yet they went to their death and they went to prison testifying of how Jesus had changed their lives. And those stories, I would imagine, haunted him at night until he met Jesus that day on the road to Damascus. And Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. When he's talking about there, when when the Lord said that, he's talking about an ox goad. An ox goad was a sharp piece of metal that was placed on a long pole that that someone that was working with a, with a, uh, a, a pair of oxen would have in case the oxen decided they didn't want to go any further in plowing or whatever work they would do, and they would prod the oxen from behind. And of course, when something that sharp would prod them from behind, they would kick against that goad. They would kick against that. But when an ox kicks against the goad, he gets goaded more. I truly have to believe that Paul's One of Paul's main goads, if I can say it that way, was probably Stephen in Acts chapter 7. Stephen was a deacon. He was a man that was full of the Holy Ghost of God. And the Apostle Paul was present there that day when 
Stephen preached to the men in the, in the synagogue. And Paul witnessed the stoning of Stephen, even held the coats of other men so they could take large stones and cast them upon Stephen and take him to his death. And he saw and heard how Stephen uh, uh, called out to the Lord and, 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 and asked the Lord to not lay it to their charge that they were killing him by stoning him to death that day. No, he saw the power and the presence of God in Stephen's life, and he realized that God was with Stephen, and that no doubt brought conviction to the Apostle Paul as he had heard these stories, watched these things. Conviction, what's that all about, preacher? Well, sometimes conviction isn't pleasant, but it's always necessary. John 6, 44 says, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up the last day. That Holy Spirit conviction is one of God's love gifts to the lost. Um, The grace of conviction. Because without it, the lost man would never see his need. Conviction is the emotion that brings one to the knowledge of the need of Christ as a Savior. Conviction causes a person to realize that he or she has sinned against God. The source of conviction is the Holy Ghost of God. In John chapter 16 and verse number 8, the Bible says, When he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. That word reprove in that verse means convict or convince convince. It's that inward working of the Holy Spirit that is telling you that you have sinned against God. Conviction precedes salvation. And is that which is telling you, you need Christ. You need this. Paul that day on the road to Damascus was convinced, convinced that he needed what God offered him. Look at verse number 16 with me. The Lord Jesus says, but rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes, love it, verse 18, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Lord Jesus Christ saved Paul on that day and he said, I want to save you that I might send you to tell other people how to be saved, that others' eyes might be opened. Remember now, no, no, remember now, he's testifying to Festus and to King Agrippa. And in verse number 19, he he says, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. For these causes the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. He said, God saved my soul, and he saved my soul, and he changed me so amazingly that I could not but go out and continue to preach and preach and preach that Jesus saves. 
I had to continue to tell people of the wonderful grace of God that the Lord, that the Lord God sent His only begotten Son to die for the sin of mankind. And He did so and shed His blood and was laid in a tomb and on the third day rose again from the dead victorious over death and hell and the grave. And he told them over and over and he said, because I've been telling these people, they've just gotten upset about the whole thing and that's why they're after me and that's why they put me in jail and that's why they would like to kill me. But he goes on, verse number 22, having therefore obtained the help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both the small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer, and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead, and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. Paul was delivered from his dead religion, and he was ushered into a living faith. And here's what Paul did. He left dead works behind and he began to serve a living God. No, no, that great change was evident in the Apostle Paul. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I'm telling you, the, the, the very same gospel that Paul preached, that, that, got, that got him put in jail, that got him killed, is the same gospel that today is saving men, women, boys, and girls that will just accept the truth that the Lord Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world and that He is the answer for sin. He's still changing lives today. And the Apostle Paul gave his testimony over and over and over of the goodness of God. And God used it in a mighty, mighty way. Here's the problem, though. Stay with me here. Here's the problem. <clears throat> Even when uh, people today share their testimony, proclaiming the goodness of God, telling how Jesus came and died for the sin of mankind and rose again, how the tomb was empty when they went down on that morning after three days and three nights. Um, with some, it just causes doubt and confusion. Verse number 24 there says, And as he thus spake for himself, the Apostle Paul, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. But he said, I'm not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth of these things, before whom, I, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this thing is not done in a corner. They stood, they listened to Paul and what he had to say. And all of a sudden, Festus jumps up and says, Paul, you are crazy. This is the craziest thing I've ever heard. I can't believe you'd even say all that stuff like that. Mercy sakes. You know, Festus may have been under deep conviction himself. 
I mean, God may have been working on his heart at that time because people, people react to conviction in different ways. Some get angry. Some get quiet. Some ridicule and mock, even as Festus was doing here. Some are fearful, whatever the case may be. I've witnessed to people, I've seen all different emotions. I've had people get angry just because I tried to tell them of the love of God and that they could be saved from their sin. I've had people shut down. I've had people walk away. But Paul refused to be sidetracked. Because Festus said what he said, but now Paul turns to King Agrippa and says this, verse 27. King Agrippa? Believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. They had studied the word of God. They had read from the prophets. They knew the truth that Messiah was coming. They knew the truth that he would come and that he would, that he would be captured. They knew the truth about the Messiah. Uh, and the apostle Paul wasn't going to let this dissuade him, keep him from, from, from going on and telling them the truth about this matter. It didn't matter what Festus said. It didn't matter what he, what he felt about it. I mean, he wanted someone to continue to listen that they might Truly trust Christ as their Savior. You know, just because one person refuses to listen and accept the truth doesn't mean that God won't keep working in the hearts of other people. And it is that case, it is, it is the case at times that those people who seemingly refuse are just worried about what others might think if they were to accept the truth. But don't let anything keep you from coming to Jesus. Just because, just because the person beside you won't believe doesn't mean that you can't trust Jesus and believe. And here's where it gets sad. Verse 28 says, Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. I think there was a fear here. I think Agrippa had been hit with the convicting power of the gospel. I really do believe that God had touched his heart. Preacher, how in the world can you say something like that? I mean, he, just, he was like, he's smiling. Well, you almost persuaded me. Thought, no, no, no. I can say that because King Agrippa said, I was almost persuaded. This is one thing you have to understand about salvation. No one can make you do it. No one can make you receive Christ as your Savior. No one can twist your arm and get you to say some prayer so that you might get saved. Oh, no, 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 no. It has to be your decision, a personal decision. When God convinces you that you are a sinner in need of a Savior, that you need your sin to be forgiven, that you need Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, it has to be your decision. I believe God was working on his heart. I was almost persuaded. And here's my thoughts. I believe Agrippa was afraid of public opinion. I believe Agrippa was, Agrippa, King Agrippa was afraid of ridicule, of losing his office. People today are afraid of, of some of the same things, but all such fear is foolish. I mean, people need to fear nothing but God. I mean, what is it that keeps you for, away from Jesus? 
Oh, I don't want to lose these friends, and I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to think that. I don't want to think that I, I, I could. Could. I don't want to think that I might not be able to do this and that and whatever the case may be. I'm telling you, nothing is worse staying away from Him. This was foolishness. He said I was almost persuaded, but now he's totally lost. Agrippa stopped just short of salvation, and there's a lot of people that do the very same thing. And I just have to ask this morning: Are you one of them? Friend, I'm telling you, hell will be filled with those who have heard and understood and believed the things they heard, but they never received Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior. And can I say this also? Waiting is dangerous. Well, I'll take care of that one of these days. Waiting is dangerous, and denying can be disastrous. You don't want to deny the truth. And there's no reason to wait. There's no reason to wait. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2 says, For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Over in the book of Genesis, in chapter number 6, and verse number 3, the Bible says, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man. But there was a second declaration. Stay with me a few more minutes. Look at verse 29. Uh, verse 28. Verse 28. Then Agrippa, then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Verse 29. And Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am, except these bonds. Do you get it here? The Apostle Paul, he's pleading with Agrippa. Why not now? Why not do it now? Why not come to Jesus right now, Agrippa? I mean, now, now is the time. I wish that not only you, but all these people in this room would trust Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. I wish you were all like me, that you've been saved by the grace of God. I wish you were like me, well, except for these bonds and being in prison and all. I wish you were like me and knowing the goodness of God and knowing the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's pleading for them to accept God's gift. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's a gift of God. And all we have to do is receive it. When he deals with you, you're simply benefiting from the pure grace of God. And don't presume upon the grace of God. Come when he deals with you. You're not guaranteed a second opportunity. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what the rest of today holds. Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. See, this was God's plea from God's man. No, no, it was God's plea. Paul's plea is for those who hear him to accept his Lord. Every witness, every witness, someone that would witness to you is a godsend. 
No, I'm telling you, it's a plea from the God of heaven for you to turn to him and be forgiven and be saved from your sin. Preachers don't stand in their pulpit all across this country and around the world and plead with people to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior of their own power. They do that because they've been saved by the grace of God, and they want you to have that wonderful, wonderful gift of salvation. Don't take this time for granted. Don't take this chance for granted. No, I'm here to tell you, if you end up in hell, you'd give anything to have that opportunity again. And he relays God's promise. Paul tells them that they can be just like him. They can be saved. They they can know Christ as their Savior. Oh, I know what was going through their minds, and I know what goes through other people's minds. Who in their right mind would trade places with the Apostle Paul? Good grief. I mean, you look at him before he got saved, and he had all this authority, and he had all this power, and, and he had all the, everybody looked up to him. I mean, he'd given up his power. He's given up his prestige. He pretty much just gave up everything. However, Paul had something that they did not have. The Apostle Paul had eternal life because of a personal relationship with Almighty God, And I have to ask you this morning, do you possess that today? Because if you do not possess that, it really does not matter how big of a house you have or car you have or clothes you have. It doesn't matter of all your worldly goods. I'm telling you, everything else is of no eternal value whatsoever. Mark chapter 8 and verse number 36, the Bible says, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Let me just answer that real quick. Nothing. It will profit you nothing if you gain the whole world and lose your soul. He's pleading. Please trust, please trust Christ today. Please let this be your day of salvation. Please put your faith in Him. Pleading. Look at verse 30. Stay with me. We're we're almost there. Verse 30. And when he had thus spoken, the apostle Paul, the king rose up, and the governor, and Bernice, and they that sat with them. And when they were gone aside, they talked between themselves, saying, This man doeth nothing worthy of death or bonds. Then said Agrippa unto Festus, This man might have been set at liberty if he had not appealed unto Caesar. This is a sad decision of King Agrippa. It says the king rose up without a word. They walked out on Paul. They walked out on the Holy Spirit. You know, it's a simple thing to say no to God. No, no, let me say that again. It's a simple thing to say no to God, but the consequences are eternal. Well, why didn't God make me get saved? It didn't work that way. 
It doesn't work that way. He did all the work. He sent His only begotten Son. He paid the price on the cross that day. He is the one that gave up the ghost and was laid in a tomb for three days and three nights. He rose from the dead. He made atonement for our sin with His blood. And He offers us the free gift of eternal life. And if we say no to it, the consequences of that are eternal. Do you get it? No, no, no. Not just for the life you're living now. But for afterlife. Are you willing to pay that price? I really think if Jesus were here in the flesh today, if, if, if He would manifest it in the flesh again today, standing in this pulpit, I'm sure that you would, 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 would not refuse Him anything. So as the Holy Spirit of God speaks to you, don't turn His Spirit away. He loves you and He longs to save you today. In my years of preaching, in my years of evangelism and preaching to large group, I've witnessed people rising up and walking out of services uh, like this one, forsaking their chance to trust Christ as their personal Savior. I've watched people under hor- terrible conviction hugging on to the pew at invitation time. I mean, I, mean, I mean, knowing that God was working in their heart and still saying no to God. But when a person says no to the Holy Spirit, they're lessening their chances to be saved. We never know when our last chance may be, and it may even be today for all we know from history Agrippa died without Jesus and he went to hell and if we could listen to the people in hell even this morning we might hear Agrippa saying over and over I was almost persuaded Almost persuaded. Oh God in heaven, why didn't I go ahead and receive Jesus Christ as my personal Savior? Almost persuaded. Almost persuaded. What was I thinking? I urge you, I encourage you, friend, don't be like King Agrippa. Almost persuaded, but eternally lost. Maybe God has been dealing with your heart. Maybe he's been trying to draw you to himself and you keep pushing him away. What is it that would cause you to do that? Is it something someone else has done to you in your life? Is it something that some other Christian has done? Is it something you have done that you feel like God could never forgive? I'm telling you, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ can cleanse the deepest stain of sin. Is it pride that keeps you away? Is it fear that keeps you away? What is, what is that thing that keeps you from trusting Christ? Let me tell you this morning, whatever it is, it's just not worth going to hell. And God keeps dealing with your heart and you keep putting it off simply because you don't want to humble yourself and, and admit that you're lost and trust Christ as your Savior. Don't let your pride send you to hell being almost almost persuaded
that old hymn, Almost Persuaded. It says, almost persuaded now to believe, almost persuaded Christ to receive, seems now some soul to say, go spirit, go thy way. Some more convenient day on thee I'll call. Almost persuaded, come, come today. Almost persuaded, turn not away. Jesus invites you here. Angels are lingering near. Prayers rise from hearts so dear. O wanderer, come. Almost persuaded, harvest is past. Almost persuaded, doom comes at last. Almost cannot avail. Almost is but to fail. Sad, sad, that bitter wail. Almost, but lost. I'm here to declare to you this morning, Jesus Christ did rise from the dead. He did pay the sin debt for mankind. He does offer up today that free gift of salvation if we'll just turn our heart to God and we'll trust Him in what He did for us, that we would call upon Him and ask Him to be our personal Savior. Don't let this be your final testimony. Well, I almost got there. Well, I almost did that. Well, you know, boy, oh boy. No. Come to Christ today. Today. Well, preacher, I can't wait. I'm telling you, I can't wait till we can get back in church because I've been convinced and I know I need to be saved and I can't wait until all this is over. I can come back to church and I can get saved. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait. You can be saved right now. Right now. God's dealing with your heart. You can be saved right now. I, I shared the other night, I believe, that 36 years ago, I woke up on my couch. God had been dealing with my heart for some weeks. I woke up on my couch, and there was a TV preacher on television I'd left going that night when I fell asleep. And that preacher was saying, you know what you need to do is you need to trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And I knew he was right. God convinced me. I know that's what I need. And I fell down beside my coffee table. And I trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior that morning. He saved my soul. He changed my life. He gave me eternal life. One of these days we'll depart from this life to be with Him forever. That's what I want for you. I want you to know in your heart that you have put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning... Take this chance. Call upon Him today. Don't let it pass you by. Don't be almost persuaded. Brother Bronner is going to play the piano. We'll just take a few minutes before we end the service. Maybe you need to trust Christ as your Savior. Why don't you do that now? Maybe you're with someone, family member, friend, that is a Christian, and you just need to say, I, I need this. I've got to get this settled now. I'm telling you, they would help you. Maybe you're all alone, just you and God. Just get down. Call out to God. Ask Him to forgive you of your sin. Put your faith and trust in Christ. You can be saved today. If you'll just come to God. Brother Brown is going to play. We won't take long. Maybe God has dealt with you. Maybe that's your need. I'm telling you, friend, it'd be a great, 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 
thing, the best thing ever happened in your life. That you could look back and say, yep, Easter Sunday, 2020, locked down in quarantine. Listen to some loudmouth Baptist preacher. God spoke to my heart. And on that day, I trusted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I'm telling you, it'd be the best decision you've ever made. Just let God have His way. Put your faith and trust in Christ today.